Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did I tell you that we relaunched our TV podcast that is now called the Prestige TV Pod? We did it in time for Succession, which is launching in October. But there's so many good shows this fall. We got Yellowstone and Billions and Insecure. We have The Shrink Next Door. Is Mayor of Kingstown going to be good? We're going to be breaking all of it down. The morning show season finale. We are going to be here. Like, we're going to treat it like we treat the NBA playoffs. If there's a really good prestigious TV show, we're breaking it down in this feed. Check it out. The Prestige TV Pod from the Ringer Podcast Network. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Baby, welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And holy moly, what a week 18. All sorts of twists and turns. All sorts of craziness. We almost had the unthinkable happen with the Raiders and the Chargers. So there was drama galore. But from a New York perspective, holla freaking hooyah. Thank goodness this season is over. Thank goodness. Because having to sit down and watch three and a half hours of that giant game, or actually it was two and a half hours because neither team was incapable of moving the ball basically for two and a half quarters. Thank God I don't have to watch the Giants again until the month of September. That was as ugly as you thought it was going to be against the Washington football team. And listen, the defense competed for the most part. The special teams, for the most part, got after whoop the freaking do Here's all I need to know about this game from a Giants perspective. They lost. They lost by 10-plus points. And the lasting image of this particular game is going to be the ultimate sign of surrender. What am I referencing? Those two nauseating, cowardly, yet disgusting play calls of quarterback sneaks at the end of the first half. Like the game is over. Like you're trying to run out the clock. You got nothing to lose. Who gives a rat's ass? Let it rip. What kind of nonsense is that? 
that is the sort of stuff. Everyone on Red Zone was mocking it, as they should. Anybody who was watching this game, if you were actually dumb enough to go to the Giant game, well, and shame on you. I hope, I hope they gave you a blanket and they gave you like 12 beers and they fed you for like five hours because you deserve like the king's ransom for schlepping out to MetLife Stadium at 35 degree temperatures today in freezing rain. God bless you if you were at that game. I, I don't even want to like salute you because it's just like, well, why? I'd love to sit you down and have a conversation. But when you're going to be the butt of all jokes like that, it makes it so much easier to justify what should happen tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. This head coach got to go. And to me, it's not as simple as, oh, well, Daniel Jones is out. Daniel Jones didn't play in the final five, six weeks, whatever the hell it was. And this is why the Giants went down the drain the way that they did. Here's what I know. Six straight double-digit losses. Outscored in their last four weeks in a wide-open league full of parity, 106 to 26. Didn't exactly play world beaters the last two weeks either. The football team and the Chicago Bears, who are going to fire their coach tomorrow in that Nagy. This coach got to go. The Giants need to clean the slate. I've been saying this for weeks. New GM, new head coach. Let's see what they have in store. This idea of sticking within the organization is embarrassing. It doesn't work. The Giants have been a joke now for nine years. And then I got to see Gettleman taking pictures on the field before the game. Like we're saluting him like he is this, this great giant icon. Give me a freaking break. Thank heavens this season is over. And in the next few days, the Giants should announce they're making a coaching change. And if they don't, they're making a mistake. They're making a mistake. There's no way you can sell me on the fact that this coach has the right plan. When he thinks this team's moving in the right direction, look at the records. Look at the scores. Look at the performance. And then try to tell me otherwise. They are not moving in the right direction. Please, take that narrative and shove it. Shove it. Then you get to the Jets. The Jets were put in a position Sunday against the Buffalo Bills that was not desirable in any way. Buffalo was winning in for the AFCs. The Jets were without their three top wide receivers. Didn't have Elijah Moore. Didn't have Davis. Didn't have Braxton Berrios, who's been our dude the last couple of weeks. And the Jet offense didn't stand a chance against Buffalo. Now, this is where you got to give the Jets some semblance of credit. They hung around in this game. They hung around in a way that in many ways, I didn't see possible. I didn't think they were going to be in this game. Clearly, it helped that they had the big fourth down conversion to call. They ended up scoring a touchdown. Their defense hung around. It played inspired. They got big holds when they needed to. They helped Buffalo out of the end zone where it looked like they were going to go in and get in the end zone. I saw enough fight from the Jets last week against Tampa this week against Buffalo, to say, okay, now, this was a rotten season. The coaching staff did not get off to a good start. The quarterback got off to a miserable start, and he was not great today. Listen, the decision-making at times was not great. He's got to get rid of the football a heck of a lot quicker. This is not a banner game for Zach Wilson to go out on, but it shouldn't surprise you that it's not a banner game for Zach Wilson to go out on. Now it's time to move forward. Now it's time to say, okay, this is where we're at. Let's go double our win total next year. We got two picks in the first round. We got a ton of salary cap space. We got to be in the middle of the pack offensively next year. We got to be competing within the AFC. We can't be 4-13 and 13 
again in 2022. They're not getting another free year. They got one this year. You can maybe find the positives after the fact. Great. It's got to be different next year. That's what I'm telling the Jet fans right here and right now. It's got to be different next year. And I'm not saying playoffs next year, but they got to be more competitive. Can't be pounding your chest. Salute the team. Progress galore if they're 5-12 and 12 next year. Well, what is it? So, what, what, 4 and 13, 5 and 12, 6 and 11. I, I lose track of the records now anyway. They, they, they got to give me some semblance of hope midway through the year. Is that too much to ask? I would hope so. So, the Jets season ends in Buffalo. Feeling a little bit better about their state of affairs than the Giants, let's be honest. Definitely feeling better about the Jets' state of affairs. But next couple of weeks is going to be interesting. First, from a Giant front office and coach standpoint, GM we know is out. Coach should be following. And then the Jets, you got to wait a month. Then it's draft stuff, free agent stuff, and away we go. Now, as far as the rest of the league, today was tremendous. Today was absolutely tremendous. And I think I might have said on old school, new school with Beningo, there's not a chance in hell the Colts are going to lose this game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, my apologies. And really, when you heard that, even though we had a great Sunday and we went 4-1 and one on the week, um, that should have been your telltale sign. Hey, let's go sprinkle a couple of those legal wagers on Jacksonville to go and win the game outright. What in God's name happened to the Colts today? I'll tell you what happened. Carson Wentz, they couldn't run the ball. He played like crap. Trevor Lawrence showed up, and the Jags were ready for a fight. The Colts were not. The Colts went from win over New England, win at Arizona, and then they lose their last two games to the Raiders and to the Jaguars and miss the postseason. That is the sort of thing that makes you wonder, well, how does that franchise recover? In all seriousness, with Carson Wentz, a quarterback, I don't know if they do. Coach got to take a major hit. I like him. That is brutal today from Wright. Brutal. Then. You get to the 4 o'clock games. ton of kudos to Saruti, San Francisco 49ers. They're down 17 to nothing in this game. They fight back and they tie it. They fall behind by 7. Late in the game. Inside a minute and a half. Garoppolo takes them right down the field. They come back and tie it. Then they get it. They march. They do what they need to do for a field goal. And then they get the big Matthew Stafford interception late. And San Francisco is in. New Orleans is out. So we had that going on. Tremendous theater. The best theater of all, though, was in the Sunday night games with the Chargers and the Raiders. And before you get to that, it was the Steelers and the Ravens who always deliver on fantastic games. The only one we got wrong this week was Pittsburgh. And it's because I put way too much confidence in Mr. Hunley, who looked pretty damn good these first three or four starts. He was terrible today. They had a chance to go for the kill. They were, I want to say, up four, where you're in field goal range, you score a touchdown, boom, you win the game. Missed a wide-open receiver in the corner of the end zone. Forced the pick into Andrews. Gets picked. Steelers score. Then we get overtime. And then you're thinking about all these crazy scenarios. Do you play for the tie? No, you can't play for the tie. You got to go and win the game. Pittsburgh goes for it on fourth down. Ben has one last zinger in him. And the Steelers, they are, they are like the ultimate leash. They're like the cat with nine lives. They don't die. They just don't die. They end up beating Baltimore. And then they got to sweat out what happened in this Raider Charger Classic. And that's exactly what this game was. It was a classic. And I think anybody who knows my philosophy towards football, I am very much a new school football guy. 
I don't hide that. I don't shy away from it. But with that being on the table, what in God's name was Brandon Staley doing today? Going for it inside his own 20? Insanity. Just gave the Raiders three points. Changed the entire field, the entire complexion of the second half. The Raiders go up by 15 points. It looks like the Raiders are going to win this game going away. And then Justin Herbert is basically slinging it every fourth down. He's converting it. It was the weirdest comeback from 15 points that I think I've ever seen in my life because it felt like every single possession, the Raiders had LA in either third or fourth down. And yet the Chargers would go and make a spectacular play, whether it was Williams, whether it was Palmer, whether it was Herbert slinging it. With all those fourth downs, and then the touchdown of Williams to tie it, you're like, holy smokes, what's going to happen? And when each team trades field goals in overtime, the wacky yet unthinkable scenario of the ties, it was, it was in play. I couldn't believe it. I'm actually wondering at the end of the game, are the Raiders going to sit on this and then they're just going to shake hands and say, hey, we're both in the playoffs. High five. Let's go. Let's go have a drink. Let's go to the win and uh, hit the craps table with the pit boss. Then Staley calls timeout. What are you doing, dude? What are we thinking? So sure enough, they call timeout. The Raiders march it down. They get the first down. They kick the field goal. They win the game. And the Chargers are going home. That's going to be a long offseason for Brandon Staley. This game and the Chief game on Thursday night, that's a tough pill to swallow. Herbert was terrific. Give him credit in the fourth quarter. But good for the Raiders. Listen, the Raiders have gone through so much shit this year. The Gruden situation. The Ruggs situation. Being 3-0, getting kicked in the teeth, looking dead to rights, making the playoffs, they earned it. They deserved it. So hats off to the Vegas Raiders. And hats off to the NFL. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm sitting on FanDuel all day. I'm betting games left and right. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic across the board. So I hope everybody enjoyed as good a regular season finale as you could possibly have. I mean, Steelers-Ravens at one. Four o'clock, you had the Niners and the Rams, and then you have that night game. It's the best reality TV, baby. We don't get it much with the Jets and the Giants, so my apologies, New Yorkers. But as far as what we got around the rest of the league, sign me up. And then we got our matchups for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Bengals Raiders early. Saturday night, Buffalo hosting New England with our buddy Ian Eagle and Charles Davis on the call. We're fired up for that. Sunday, the triple threat. You got Bucks Eagles early. You have the Cowboy Niner game on CBS, which is a little surprising. You thought maybe that'd be a Fox game, but Sunday at 430 is prime real estate. And then at night, it'll be the Chiefs and the Steelers, a rematch of a game that was an absolute beatdown three weeks ago. And they are putting Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, Matthew Stafford and the Rams in the Monday night game. So Next weekend is going to be badass. Two games Saturday, three games on Sunday. Then you have a little nightcap on Monday night. Fantastic stuff. And this week ain't over because we got a national championship game to discuss. And I think you guys know where I lead on that particular matchup. So, loaded show. Judge should be out. The question is, will he be out? I thought it was the perfect time to sound a bad signal. Perfect time. Coming up next, one of my great mentors, good friend. And for my money, the best to ever do this. The great Mike Francesa, right after this. 
This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores, see app for full terms, all rights reserved. So on his final weekend of the regular season, we're super fired up to welcome back one of my long-lost pals, one of my great mentors, my mentor in the business. Who are we kidding? And we miss him. It's weird that we can use the term free agent to describe our next guest, the great Mike Francesa. Mike, that sounds weird. Be honest. It sounds weird. Well, it is weird. It's the first time in a long time, but uh, the contract that I had with the fan and with Odyssey expired on the 31st of December. So for the first time, I'm able to do different things, which I was not able to do, especially anything locally or anything that was going to be able to be uh, entered into the metropolitan area. So uh, I'm, now I can do whatever I want. I can do any appearances. I'm no longer tied to FAN in any way. And although I am obviously part of FAN forever, uh, as far as uh, collecting any money from them or being under contract, I'm not anymore. So I'm free to do anything I want right now. So yes, I'm a free agent for the first time in 35 years. How about that? Now, a year plus, what, year and a half, two years away from walking away from FAN? You miss it at all or no? Well, I, I think I miss... Um, I miss the, the idea of the big story, the big event, um, a day where I think I have something really to add, uh, or a day where it's a day where I know it would be really fired up to be either a very big story or it's for a very big game. I mean, let's be honest. You haven't had a whole lot of big games in New York in, in recent years. I mean, uh, the only team that's, you know, done anything is the Nets and, you know, still they're catching on. And I think they will continue to catch on, you know, if they continue to win. But uh, you haven't had anything. The Islanders had a run last year, which was fun. I actually went to some of those games last year so that we had a lot of fun going to those games. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking forward to them being good in the future. But um, as far as the, you know, the big teams, the big teams as we know them, boy, it's been kind of lean lately. Even for the Yankees, it hasn't been great. Uh, and obviously the football has been really at a level I'm old enough to remember when the Giants went through a time like this. You're not uh, fans who uh, have to be of a certain age to have remembered the 60s and the 70s when the Giants went through 15 years of just complete ineptitude as they are going in now. And I'm not even sure. In the days when their best offense was a punter named Dave Jennings uh, and you had a good defense and no offense, you at least had more pride in that team than you do now. What I've seen from the Giants to close this season was nothing short of a complete embarrassment. And I'll be very interested to see Giants. I don't talk to them because I was so hard on Gettleman that the Giants got very angry with me. So I was against them from day one. I didn't want him to come here. Um, so he has ruined the team, but it was already ruined. He just continued to take it even deeper and deeper into the abyss. Judge was back 
I, I really believe that everything I heard, anybody I bumped into or talked to, he might have played himself out of that in the last two weeks with his mouth and with the team's absolutely embarrassing give up performances. Uh, I don't know. I think in my heart they're going to bring him back for the third year, but now I think it's at least something they're going to discuss where I think a couple of weeks ago it wasn't even going to be a debate. He was definitely back. I think now he's played himself to the brink of maybe not being back. Don't you think that's an impossible sell, Mike? You think about the disjointed nature that this franchise has had since the days of Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, and they made a mistake. And I know you were on record as saying it was time to go, and I was too. I got to be honest, Mike. When they collapsed the way they did in the 15th season, I thought it was time for a new head coach. They made the playoffs the following year, and they have been embarrassing basically ever since. But this like disjointed nature of hiring a GM, retaining a head coach, it's impossible to be on the same page that way. Like to me, Mike, it just makes so much sense for the Giants after this debacle of a year to say, you know what? I don't care about what's happened for the last eight or nine years. Let's go fresh start, new GM, new head coach, and away we go. Why don't they do that? Well, you put it, because I think the Giants felt that they were getting in the rut of just getting rid of coach after getting rid of coach, and they didn't want to do that. Uh, I really felt that they did not want to do that with Judge. Now, uh, I think there was a point in the season where they were going to probably stay very close to in-house and promote somebody and keep Judge. I think now that's not going to happen. I think they have to go outside the franchise for someone to run the franchise. Uh, if you're going to tell that person, uh, you have to, you know, you, you make the decision on judge. That's probably the way it'll go. I think though, that, uh, a, the, uh, the football guys in the giant organization, and that includes John Mara because he makes the football decisions. Uh, the Tishes run the business and the, the, the Maras, especially John run the football end. It was that way with Bob Tish and with Wellington Mara. It's that way with the next generation, although they don't get along seamlessly as the old guys did. Um, it's still that way. And I don't think they wanted to make another change at, co- at coach. I think they really were against doing that. But I think he's made some really bad decisions in the last two weeks. He's thrown people under the bus. He's made excuses. He said things that don't make any sense. You cannot go up to the podium in this town and declare that you are making progress when you've just lost six straight games by double digits, put forth the offense that they put up, which was a give up wave the white flag offense, get beat 106 to 26 in the last four weeks, and try to sell people that you've made progress. You cannot do that. You better off saying nothing. His words have gotten him in trouble. The question is how much trouble have they gotten him in? I think they started off from the place of wanting to keep him. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they leave it up to whoever comes in to run the organization. But that puts a tremendous burden on someone to run the organization. There isn't a George Young out there right now. There is not a guy who's going to come in here who's been successful in another organization. You're going to be bringing a guy in and giving him a chance to be a general manager. That's a roll of the dice. And if you're going to give him all the power, you might be in a worse place in three years, or maybe not worse, but almost as bad. Gettleman did everything wrong. And last year, I thought they made progress. They spent a lot of money. They should have made progress. This year, they spent money and they went backwards completely backwards. And I think if he had stayed quiet, losing Daniel Jones would have got him an excuse for a third year, but he's really made some big mistakes here 
in the last couple of weeks. He's become highly unpopular with the fans. He's become highly unpopular, I think, throughout the league in a lot of places. I mean, he's knocked guys from other teams. He's thrown coaches under the bus. He threw Garrett under the bus. Say what you want, he threw him under the bus. Uh, he, He threw Pat Shermer under the bus. He threw guys under the bus right and left, and he tried to throw Ron Rivera under the bus. That's not going to work in this league. Ron Rivera's got got a, got a legacy. The bottom line is the performance they put forth, you shut up and you say nothing because there's nothing you can say that is going to get you out of the hole you're in. And he tried to dig himself out with his words, and that's a dangerous thing to do. How are we fixing the Giants? Because they got two first-round picks. They're in salary cap hell. And they're in uncertain waters with their quarterback. Are you a Daniel Jones guy, Mike? Do you think you can build with this quarterback? Or is it time for the new regime, whenever they come in, to go searching for the next quarterback of the franchise? I think Daniel Jones is not a terrible quarterback. I think he's a starter in the league. I think the problem with him is he's a mistake quarterback. And you're never going anywhere with a mistake quarterback. Daniel Jones makes too many big mistakes. And he's never been coached out of the mistakes and the mistakes kill you. And that, that's the bottom line. Uh, do I think they would go get a quarterback? I think the Giants would do anything now, anything that would take pressure off them, anything that could get them some relief with the fans, get people back in the building, get the media off their back, I think they would do. I think they would sign a big quarterback in a minute. If they could go get a big star quarterback, I think they would do it under the reasonable terms. But if it's something that doesn't make any sense, where you're going to pay him a fortune, you're going to give up a ton of draft picks, and they're not going to be good while he's here, then it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. There's very few guys. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to turn around and come here if he's done it in Green Bay. If he's done in Green Bay, he's going to go to the West Coast if he can. If not, he'll go to a place like Denver. Uh, He's not going to come to the Giants. Okay. Two first-round picks for Russell Wilson. You making that move? If I make that move, I have to make a lot of other moves that make me contingent, that that, uh, allow me to be good coming in the door. Otherwise, why do I want him here? I, I, ha- I have to answer that in a vacuum of, I have to go make a wholesale lot of changes in this franchise if I do that. A lot of changes. So I think it's a complicated move. One where you're trying to pull through an inside straight. I would say unlikely that move would work. Let's get to the Jets because they've been rebuilding, it feels like, for the last nine years. They got a new head coach. They got a new quarterback. The quarterback's been through the ringer. The quarterback did not have a particularly good year. Played a little bit better at the end of the season. I thought this game was going to be a slaughter against Buffalo, Mike. Full disclosure. No Berrios, no Davis, no Elijah Moore. Game was way closer than I thought it was going to be for three and a half quarters, but then Buffalo pulls away. Are you content with where the Jets are at, with this general manager, with this new head coach, with this quarterback? Are you still in wait and see mode? Are you feeling some sort of decent vibes with this franchise? I think the general manager has a plan. Um, I don't have anything except wait and see with the coach. He didn't show me anything this year that was to me impressive at all. I didn't see anything from that coaching staff or from him that I was impressed by. Not one thing. I do think, though, they have some very, very good young players. I think that in Berrios, in Carter, in Elijah Moore, you, uh, especially if the big tackle can come back, get himself 
straightened out, get his weight under control, and get back on the field. If you put another bookend in with him on that line, give the quarterback a chance to develop. They have players. Carter's a player. Berrios is a player. They need to uh, resign Berrios, Mike, or he's going to yeah, end up without, in New England catching 90 passes without next year. They have to resign Berrios. Absolutely. He's one of their best players. Carter's a really nice player. Uh, Elijah Moore can be a really nice player. They have some players. There's no question. Um, they have a lot more work to do. So I do think they have a core that they can start to build with. They can't make any mistakes. And like I said, I didn't see anything from the coaching staff that looked anything. If anything, the word I would use with the coaching staff this year is they were immature. They were an immature staff. They were unproven. They were young. They were wet behind the years. And that's how they looked to me all year. They looked. But remember, it can get worse because Judge went backwards in year two. He didn't. He took a big step backwards in year two. They showed some steps in the right direction last year. This year, it was like they took it and drove it right into the deep part of the pool. They are in really bad shape right now as a franchise. And what they've done is they've lost the media and they've lost the fans completely. And when you see an empty ballpark like you saw today, that makes the Giants move. The Giants respond to empty seats. They always have. They always will. You know, I grew up listening to your Sunday program. And I think about those battles, Mike. Dallas. San Francisco, Young, Aikman, Emmett, Irvin, Dion, Charles Haley, all those great games. I- I'm getting geeked out by the idea that we got a Niner Cowboy playoff game. I know it's not the same. I know Jimmy Garoppolo against Dak Prescott is not exactly Aikman versus, you know, uh, Steve Young. But, Mike, Sunday 430, that's the marquee game of the weekend next week, my friend. That's the game I oh, can't wait to see. Wonderful game. Absolutely. You know, Pittsburgh with Ben sounds marquee against Kansas City. I don't think it'll be a close game. Okay, that's the Sunday night game. Uh, San Francisco has the ability with their size and with their running game to give the Cowboys trouble. I like the Cowboy team. I like a lot of things about it. But I'll tell you, the one thing I've seen them this year is I've seen people push them around a couple of times. And when that happens, uh, it's trouble. And San Francisco is made that way. Their comeback today was impressive. You know, every time everybody tries to sell Garoppolo down the river, he comes back and he shows you that he is a winning player. He's been to a Super Bowl. You know why San Francisco has had it with Garoppolo? Because they still can't get past the point that he blew a wide-open third-down play to Kittle that if he hits, they win the Super Bowl. They missed it. He missed them wide open. I was at the game. I was sitting right there. Their Kansas City rally never happens if he makes that play. He didn't make it. He screwed up. There's no question. It cost them a championship. They haven't gotten over that. And they'll probably send him somewhere. He's making a lot of money. And he'll do well somewhere else. Garoppolo will always win games. The guy's a winning player. He's not durable. He's not going to be an all-time great. But he's a winning player in this league. And his record says he is. Packers are the team to beat. They had a terrible championship game loss last year. They got the Super Bowl road to it as perfect as can be. Aaron Rodgers going to win the MVP again. Yada, yada, yada. Mike, I give you the NFC. You got Brady with a beat-up Tampa team. You got a Ram team that seems to be missing something. Arizona doesn't seem ready. San Francisco, they're spunky. I think they're lively. Dallas throw them in there, too. 
if you're going to give me a team right now that's going to knock off the Packers in the NFC, who are you picking? Dallas would be the team wow, for me. Dallas, not Tom and Tampa. Interesting. I I don't think that anybody will, though. I think this is their year. I think anyone who doesn't vote for Rodgers for the MVP is just being stubborn or blind. The guy was the MVP. He's the best player in the league. This is now or never for Green Bay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I have someone who I trust who tells me that he'll probably be out of there after this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. It might be the right thing for it to happen, but he should be leaving with a trophy or at least in the game. Um, before the season started, I like two teams in the NFC and I like the Chiefs to go back to the Super Bowl and win it again. The two teams in the NFC were the Saints, who I thought were going to have a very big year with Jameis Winston. And I still think they would have if he hadn't gotten hurt. They won nine games. Right now, their defense is the most dangerous defense in the league when it's healthy. In the entire league, they buried Green Bay this year. They buried Tampa Bay this year. They just don't have any offense. Uh, going to the playoffs wouldn't have helped them. Their defense, offense was too beat up, and now Hill got hurt again anyway. So it wouldn't have mattered if they got in. But they could have been really good this year, and I think Winston was a good fit with Sean. I think they were going to have a big year. I think it's Green Bay and Kansas City. I thought Kansas City would win it all before the year started. I'll stay with that. I think Kansas City's the best team. Uh, I think as long as Chris Jones is healthy and got his head screwed on straight, their defense will play well in a game where if he's there and healthy. Uh, I think he's the key to their defense. Um, I think they have a lot of answers to a lot of questions, and I think they overcame a lot of things early in the season. Uh, I think they'll go back, and right now I would go Green Bay, uh, and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I know that's you know picking a two seed and a one seed. Uh, Kansas City is not a great matchup for, for Kansas. Uh, I mean, Tennessee is not a great matchup for Kansas City. It's a dangerous one. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee got picked off beforehand. Uh, I think Kansas City and Green Bay would be a heck of a Super Bowl in LA. Let's say they, I know there's talk of moving it, but if they don't move it, you know, Green Bay, Kansas City was Super Bowl one in LA. I guess we could have Super Bowl. 56 in green in LA this year, Green Bay and Kansas City. Uh, right now, I'd say that's the Super Bowl. I'd be drooling all over that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. Where do I sign? You think Tennessee or Buffalo is the biggest threat to the Chiefs? I think it's Tennessee. They got the one Tennessee. seed because they're getting Tennessee. Henry back and they're going to have a soft game, Mike, probably. That that second round matchup, they're not playing Kansas City at Buffalo. With the, with the Raiders winning tonight and with the Steelers getting in, and the Pats don't have enough firepower to go and win multiple games in the playoffs. Tennessee's going to be playing in that championship game. Tennessee by far, because not only the running game, their defense also. Uh, I think they are uh, the one team that really is built. I don't think New England would beat Kansas City. I do think Tennessee, uh, which plays sometimes with some of the New England uh, smarts, let's put it that way. Uh, I think uh will be uh, very tough. I think Tennessee is very tough, and I think Henry will be a major factor. I think he'll probably be a big factor uh, for them and make them even more dangerous. I just think tennis, I just think Kansas City uh, played well enough the second half of the year to answer all the questions, and I think they'll get there. And like I said, I don't expect anybody to go to Green Bay and win. If you ask me who would go there and have the best chance, I would think it's Dallas, but I do think this is Green Bay's year. 
you know, I shouldn't be telling you this because it's probably one of the worst predictions I've made all year, Mike. I actually liked Michigan against Georgia. I did. Shame on me. I thought they'd play well in the game. They, they didn't belong in the same field. Georgia just absolutely annihilated them. I can't wait for this game Monday night. You're going to see replays of the two of the Devontae Smith touchdown over and over again and what a crazy championship game that was. And a lot of people, I think, are going to be getting Alabama and grabbing the points because it's saving in a national championship game getting points. I don't see it. After what I saw from Georgia against Michigan, I think Georgia's too much. They're going to run it too well. I can't see them losing to Bama twice in five weeks, and I don't think this is a vintage Bama team. Are you riding Georgia tomorrow night? No. You like um, Bama? Okay. I think Georgia, let me say this. I think Georgia's the better team, and I'm willing to give them a bit of a mulligan on the first game. They didn't have the motivation. You want to give me that? I'll buy a little of that. You want to tell me they had the bug running through their secondary? I'll buy that. That's what has been their big excuse that they did. There's a way to play Alabama that you must be able to do. And this quarterback is very good, and he's very good against pressure. They have got to stop the Alabama running game. You know, Cincinnati did a lot of things right in that game against the Alabama passing game because they had great corners and they had some pass rush, but they couldn't, they didn't have enough rocks in their pockets to handle the Alabama running game. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop Alabama on either side of the line of scrimmage. So they couldn't win the game because they just, Alabama would. See, those teams that are at the top, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, those three have players that no one else in the country has. They have extra ones and depth of top quality and size and speed. No one else has that. Clemson's the only team not there that has that kind of program. Notre Dame doesn't have that program. Michigan doesn't have that program. No one else has that program. LSU can have that program, and that's why Kelly went there. That because of the fact that he's making a lot more money than he would ever make in Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't pay you. Notre Dame makes you famous and makes you go out and make your own money. They don't pay you $9 million. They'll pay you $3 million and you become a household name. You can get any job. You can get any commercial. You can get any speaking engagement. you got to go hustle. You get it. They don't pay you. They keep the money themselves. That's a difference. But the difference is they can't get the bounty of players into places like Notre Dame and Michigan that they can get into Alabama Georgia, Florida, LSU, Clemson, etc. And that's the difference with those teams. And that's why that's why every time Notre Dame plays in a big bowl, they lose. That's why every time Michigan goes too far into the deep part of the pool, they're out. I do believe Harbaugh knows now uh, they, he answered some of the things. He finally slayed the dragon, Mike. He had right. to beat Ohio he, State he, at some point. He finally did. He gave him a chance to hang the banner, and they hung it the next day. They hung the banner for the Big Ten title. They hung the banner. They were happy. They did that. Now he can go peacefully if he wants. The only thing I'm going to say is, how do you take a guy? Now, the big room has been Harbor of the Raiders. How do you take this guy who took over chaos with the Raiders and took the team to the playoffs and is incredibly popular with the players? How do you take him out of that team? You gotta give him the job. He, you gotta give him the job. You have now. to. You have I to. think he. I think he won the job tonight. I don't think you can take him out of the job. So 
I don't think the Giants would ever want a Harbaugh. It's not their style. I think the Bears would hire Harbaugh in a minute. And that's, if Harbaugh wants to leave and, and the Raiders isn't open, then I would look for Chicago. Remember, he's got ties. I could see that happening. Um, I don't see him with the Giants ever. I don't see them hiring that type of coach. Would I mean, he yes, work with hired. the media here, Mike Harbaugh? Do you think he could work in New York? Yeah, if he wants. If he didn't, it would be a nightmare. If he wanted, it wouldn't be a problem at all. Hobb was difficult. He's just going to say no most of the time. He's going to be very close to the best. He's going to say no most of the time. Uh, that's the bottom line. He's got one of those bigger-than-life personas, but he's quiet for the most part. He would work here fine as long as he was able to win, and I think Harbaugh will be able to win most places he goes. In the pros, I think he's a, I think he's a good coach. I think the problem is he can't get to the top of the mountain any more than they could at Notre Dame because of the academic standards that are at those schools. They can't get them the way the other five or six schools we talked about can, and that's where they wind up banging their head against the, the wall. That's why Urban Meyer never went to Notre Dame because he knew he could get people into Florida and win championships there that he could never get into Notre Dame, and that's why he went uh, to Florida and not Notre Dame. Urban Meyer grew up, he's named it for a pope. He grew up humming a Notre Dame fight song. He wanted to go to Notre Dame, but he wanted things in writing that they refused to give him. And that's why he didn't go to Notre Dame. And that's why Kelly left Notre Dame. Because he knew he was never going to win the big game there. Were you surprised with how big a disaster Urban was? Just one year in the NFL? I mean, he's got this quarterback prospect galore and Trevor Lawrence. And it was embarrassing, Mike. I mean, it was absolutely embarrassing to the point where they're basically booting him out the door with four weeks to go. What's what? What did we think? Urban Meyer just one of those uh, natural college coaches? No, I oh, so really you think believe, he could work in the NFL. Interesting. Uh, I think that looking at the one year and thinking that that means that Urban Meyer couldn't win in the pros is just flat out dumb. Go look at Tom Landry's first two years where he didn't win a game, or four or five years where he lost all five years in Dallas. Go look at Bill Belichick in Cleveland. Go look at people when they come into the league. Jimmy Johnson, who, who, who Buddy Ryan said would never win a big game in the NFL. What did he do? He won back-to-back championships and built a dynasty. First year, he couldn't win a game. Okay, He won one game on a Sunday night with Steve Walsh, a quarterback, against Washington the first year. He won nothing for the first couple of years. That's not why it didn't work. Why it didn't work is because Urban Meyer doesn't know how to build a pro staff, and he thought he did. And number two, Urban Meyer stood in the office with me one day after I interviewed him, and I said, you're going to coach the pros, right? I thought it was the Browns at the time. He said, I'm smart enough. Mike, this was off the air as he was leaving the studio. He said, I'm smart enough to know that I don't belong there temperament-wise. Urban Meyer couldn't handle losing. He couldn't handle the pro player. And he realized it very quickly and he took it out on his coaches and he took it out on everybody around him and his behavior got erratic and he went off the deep end. That's why it didn't work because he couldn't handle the losing and he couldn't handle that he wasn't in control. And that's in the pros, you have to suffer through those years before you get to the gravy train. John McKay did nothing but win in college. He was a great coach. He lost 26 games in a row in, in the NFL. You can't win in the NFL without players. Okay. It was, he never, ever 
gave himself the right chance to get it done. And that's his fault. No one else's. Absolutely. But he knows he didn't belong there. He probably knew it at the time. And his better angels probably told him to get out. And he finally didn't. But the fact that he didn't win there this year does not tell you that he can't coach there. Because there's a lot of guys who didn't win early who became all-time great coaches. Great coaches. Bill Parcells was had a losing record at Air Force as a head coach and went 3-12-1 and his first year with the Giants and went on to be one of the great coaches of all time. One year doesn't make a coach, and a record in one year doesn't make a coach. But you have to know when you're in the wrong place in Urban Meyer. Saban knew it right away. He was in the wrong place. Urban Meyer realized it and then had to figure out how to get out. The way he got out, berating his assistants, berating players, doing stupid things at bars was not the way to get out. That was not the way to get out. And for what it's worth, for people who were throwing Lawrence down the river, Mike, watch that game against the Colts today with Indianapolis having everything to play for. And listen, Wentz stunk. I mean, he was just absolutely embarrassing in the game. But some of those throws from Lawrence, they're eye-opening. He's still going to be a big-time quarterback in this league. I'd still buy stock. Lawrence, Lawrence will be a superstar, okay? He can make every throw. He's big and strong. And all the kid did this year was stay in there, take the beating, go through chaos with the franchise, never make an alibi, never miss a practice, never miss a down, played the entire year, and in the last week, cost the Colts a chance to go to the playoffs and played brilliantly, completed his first 12 passes. And that guy this year threw probably 12 or 13 touchdowns and 17 or 18, 19 interceptions off the top of my head. Go look at what Peyton Manning did in his first year. Go look at what Troy Aikman did, who didn't win a game in his first year and had like 20 touchdowns and 40 intercepts his first two years. Go look at what John Elway did early. Go look what Terry Bradshaw did his first three or four years. He wanted to quit football or be traded. You don't make a great quarterback in one year. That kid, to me, has everything to be a great quarterback. Baseball starting on time? Gut feel, yes or no? What was, he, what was the question? Baseball. We starting this season on time? Because the Met fans are just like, they're in my ear every other minute. They can't wait to see Buck. They can't wait to see Scherzer and DeGrom. On the other hand, I can't wait for our Yankees to make a move, for goodness sakes. Mike's driving me insane. But are, we, are, are they going to screw this up? Or do you think when push comes to shove, April 1st, when it's time for baseball, we will have baseball? I want to say that there's too much money to be burned for either side to be that stupid. But the owners and the players can sometimes get really stupid. And the players have wanted this fight for a while. Uh, when you look at the salaries, I don't know why, especially on the high end, I don't know why. Um, I would say it's no better than 50-50 that they're ready for the start of the season because I think it's sometimes very hard early to get anybody off the dime. and. It takes a while when push comes to shove. And this has been coming for a long time, so I don't know if it'll be so readily fixed. So I would say it's no better than 50-50, but I understand why the Mets fans are excited. Um, they should be. They got it right, Buck, Mike. I mean, listen, I, they got Buck, box office were, on think, the mound, and they got the best managerial choice. They got the guy that I wish was managing the Yankees, quite frankly. I wish I think, he was back think, in the Yankee dugout. I think Buck will do a really good job. I think the one thing that people don't realize about about Boone is that 
he agrees with everything the franchise does. He agrees with the way they run things. He, everyone always wants to make him a puppet. He's not a puppet. He agrees with the way of doing things. That's the difference. This is what he believes in. I don't agree with it, but he believes in it. And I, I don't like it. I don't like anything about that team. I haven't liked anything about that team in years. There's a lot of players, including big players, that I get rid of. We could spend a lot of time on that someday before the season starts. I, I, there's a lot of players I'd get rid of. There's some players I would like to get my hands on and not, not totally studs. I'm talking about role players. And that's what you win with. You get you get good players who can compete on a high level when the game and the season and the chips are on the line. Those are the players you win with. And they don't have to be super dupers. You know what? Bernie Williams was a really good player who got better during the playoffs. Derek Jeter was a really top player who got even better when the playoffs came. Paul O'Neill, ditto, down the line great guys out of the bullpen and of course the consistency of Mariano Rivera that's why they won the way they did they got they got guys who didn't ever they didn't fade when the lights got bright they got better when the lights got bright just like Eli Manning Eli Manning was always better the bigger the game the bigger the moment the better he played the average game the average moment he was average a lot of times but in the big game in the big moment he was dynamic and the bigger the stakes, the better he played. That's why he's got a couple of rings and that's why he'll be in the hall of fame. Final one, Mike. And it's crazy to think about because for all these years, you're giving out picks first with dog, then you're doing it solo. And it was this idea that you needed a guy on the corner or you needed to, you needed to know a guy, whether it was you know in the neighborhood, whatever the case may be. Well, now it's, it's the wild, wild west when it comes to legalized sports wagering in New York. In your years of doing this, did you ever think we would see this day? No, uh, I, I really didn't. When you realize that the NFL has gone to the point where they promote this now, and they're actually owners in these businesses now, uh, and the NBA, the same, Pete Rozelle would spend anything to fight gambling. The NFL was an incredible lobbyist against any form of gambling, even the mention of it. I worked on the NFL today back in the late 70s, early 80s with Jimmy the Greek. Jimmy the Greek wasn't even allowed to mention a point spread. He had to put a check box. He could not even mention a point spread at all at any point when he talked about this team over that team. He had to do it with check marks. That's how far back I go with this stuff. Did I ever think we'd see what we've seen now? No. But I think what we see now is only a foot in the ocean, a toe in the, in the water. When you realize there's going to be kiosks at every airport, at every mall, at every ball game, at every stadium, you're going to sit in your seats at a ball game and be able to bet on every pitch on every down, on every quarter change. It's going to be something the likes of which you've never seen. And I don't think people even have the comprehension in a digital age of where we're headed. We're headed to a place that I don't even think people can imagine where we're headed. The great Mike Francesa. I love hearing that voice. He's a free agent. We'll see what the future has in store. And when I wake up tomorrow, Mike, we have to, everybody listens to this and it's going to do great numbers. There's no doubt about that. Me and you, it's magic. Of course, it always is. Is Joe Judge still the head coach of the New York Giants? Gut feel. 
yes, my feeling is that it's not worse than 50-50 that he comes back. I think John Mara, somewhere along the way, had decided that he was going to bring him back for third year. Now he has to either relinquish that and let the new person who's coming in with some football authority make the decision, or he has to change his mind. I still think it's 50-50 at worst of a judge. I don't think he's worse than that right now. And I think three weeks ago, he was back. I think he has done a lot of things, and the team has done a lot of things to send him to the brink now where he is tomorrow morning. Love you, buddy. Thanks for a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll, care, be, we'll be we'll be following. I'm very curious to see what this leads, free agent. You like uh, you like Carlos Correa right now? I, I don't know about that, but you know what? Uh, I think it'll be a lot smaller scale than any of that. So, so, but you know what? We'll see what happens. Take care. Appreciate it. That's the great Mike Francesa. We're coming right back. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That is just gold. Gold beyond gold. The great Mike Francesa. And he never disappoints. What can I say? He never disappoints. You know, uh, we're thinking about free agent and Mike Francesa in the same sentence. But, you know, he's looking to do guest spots. He's more than welcome to join me whenever the hell he wants. We love hearing from Mike. Especially I want to hear his plan for uh, solving the New York Yankees. I could tell he wanted to dig into it a couple months from now. Because right now there's just too much craziness and uncertainty with the offseason in baseball anyway. Just way too much craziness. Oh, I miss that voice. I mean, to go from Joe and Mike and have them on the show all the time, it just it geeks me out. It geeks me out. Did I talk to these guys on a regular basis? And they're a part. The fact that Mike, Joe, and Bill are like a part of like an inner working of people that I deal with on a regular basis, it's just like, it's pinch me shit, guys. I'm not going to lie. Every now and again, it like hits you. It's like, damn. Damn. Stefan, too. I throw him on that list. Of course. I had voicemail time. Guys, to get in touch with the show, to make some magic, it is 917-382-1151. That's why we do what we do. Voicemail time. Let's hear it, Stefan. JJ, what's up, dude? Ron and Massapequa. I've called a couple of times uh, over the season to rant about the Giants, and I'm watching this game, uh, and every year they always do, like, if Alabama played the worst team in the NFL, who would win? I genuinely think that the Giants, not only Alabama, I don't think that they could beat like Michigan State. I mean, there's not a single guy on this roster that could play for like Alabama or Georgia. They, 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 the QB sneak on third and nine that was all over Twitter and everything. That's that's embarrassing. Never seen that before in my life. But the idea that the rest of the game. We can't do anything. We can't even function as a football team. And Joe Judge is in there with his sweatshirt and his stupid hat. Blow it up. I I feel bad for anybody that's at that game. I have a huge, huge Niners money line bet. I know you like the Niners as well. But uh, I just, I hate the Giants so much. All right, kid. Later. I understand that frustration. Never make the argument, though, that college players would beat an NFL team. It, it Anytime I hear that argument, I want to shoot it down. I want to shut it down immediately. 
No. No and no. The giant quarterback situation was an out-and-out abomination. It doesn't excuse what you saw over the last four weeks. You can't be that bad. You can't be that bad against the teams they were playing, especially last week and this week. But anytime we jump to the conclusion that, oh, they'd lose to a college team, that is when we're going above and beyond crazy. And I don't think we're going above and beyond crazy for suggesting they might have the least hope out of any of the 32 NFL franchises at this point in time. And it could change. Narratives, the feel, the look of a franchise can change on a dime. But right now, find me a team that's in worse shape than the Giants. I ask you to do so. Look around the league, find me a team that's in worse shape. And don't even tell me Jacksonville, because they got a quarterback that I believe in. They're going to hire a new head coach. They're going to have the number one pick in the draft. Like, if I'm betting on Jacksonville and the Giants over the next three years, I'm putting my money on Jacksonville. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. Next. JJ, UConn, Keaton Hall, baby. Keaton Hall taking the easy dub in overtime. The team is back. They're the number one team in the Metro. The question is, the real question is, Kadari Richmond with 27, Syracuse dropping one to Wake on the same day. Who was right? Was Jimmy B right? Does Kadari hate the game? Because I think he's the best point guard in this area in college basketball. Let's go, Hall, baby. That was a monster, monster win for Seton Hall. I was dialed into that early before the football started, before I had to watch cowardly Vic Fangio uh, coach his last game for the Denver Broncos. But in all seriousness, Kevin Willow got a steal in Kadari Richmond. That dude is a beast. I loved him at Syracuse last year. He was instrumental in their second-half success. He's exactly the sort of guard that the Cuse is lacking right now. And Beheim under 500 in January. Hasn't happened for Syracuse in the middle of January since the late 1960s. Since Richard Nixon was president, for goodness sakes. And Seton Hall's the top 25 team. Yes, I wish Kadari Richmond was still a Syracuse Orangeman. 1,000%. And good for you. You guys got yourself a hell of a point guard. You guys got yourself a top 25 team. And you will be dancing this year. My team won't be sniffing the NCAA tournament. So good for you. There won't be a miracle this year for the Cuse. You can quote me on that. You guys can save the audio. You can save the video. It breaks my heart. It makes me sick. They are dead. They are dead and dead. They are doing jack shit this year. This season is over. I own it. I acknowledge it. Syracuse is rotten to watch. They're rotten. Good for you. Seton Hall's legit. All right. Who's next? JJ is Chaz from Brentwood, New York. Listen. What Julius did was absolutely wrong. It was egregious. You cannot, I repeat, you cannot boo the New York Knicks fan. You can't boo any New York fan because after what we go through. But you do give him a pass just for the simple fact that he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, and we all know that. We all know it's hard for him to carry that pressure. But he also is down to be here, and that says a lot. And I think that's why he gets the free pass. Listen, if Melo did it back in 2011 or 12, it wouldn't it would have been a problem. But again, I think we would have gave him a pass too because we know the amount of pressure that we put on these guys and the amount of pressure that they have just for being a New York Knickerbocker. Now, if Julius does this again, he's done. He is absolutely done. But 
I think this time around we can give him a pass. And it means a lot that he apologized. And the way he apologized means even more to us because we know he's passionate about this. We know he's hungry for this. And we all know he wants this bad. JJ, you're doing a great job, brother. Have a happy and successful 2022. I appreciate that sentiment. Um, I'm glad that you brought up the apology from Julius Randle because we're doing the show Friday. I'm all giddy about the Knicks beating the Celtics. So much to like. RJ's game winner, Fournier going nuts. And then I see on my timeline, as we're doing the show, the quote from Julius Randle. And it did not sit well with me because there's a said with Javi Baez in the Mets back in August. When you take on the fans, I don't care who you are, it is an unwinnable battle. It shows immaturity. It lacks perspective. It shows you don't get it. Whether you are right or wrong is besides the point. When you take on the fans, you don't get it. That's why I had a major problem with Baez. And it's why this thing with Randall really rubbed me the wrong way. The difference is the apology you got from Randall, as opposed to what you got from Baez, was far more sincere from Julius. It was just far more sincere. Now. The bottom line for Randall, he's going to hear a lot more cat calls. I got news for you. This won't be the end of it. He's the highest paid player on the team. They just gave him a ton of money in the offseason. Last year, he was everybody's favorite son. New York City embraced him. The Knicks fan base embraced him. But that comes and goes. I, it came and went for Carmelo. It came and went for Patrick freaking Ewing, for goodness sakes. Uh, let that sink in for a minute. Patrick Ewing, the younger Nick fan is going to be like, JJ, what are you talking about? Oh, there were plenty of Nick fans who would turn on Patrick Ewing. Oh, he's a ball stopper. He's this black hole within the offense. The Knicks are better without him. I remember the narratives. I remember the talking points. And that only grew at the end of Ewing's career. Julius Randle, as we know, nice player. He ain't Patrick freaking Ewing. So why do I bring that up? Randall has another night like he had against the Boston Celtics on Saturday. With the Knicks, third quarter were terrible. Tight game for a half, and then they got their doors blown off. Going to deal with more of that. And you'll hear it from the Garden Faithful. You've got to move past it. It's on to the next play. It's on to the next game. It's on to the next quarter. Simple as that. That's part of playing and being in New York. If you don't like it, go play in Oklahoma City. They'll kiss your ass for four quarters. They'll love you. Go, go play in Oklahoma City. Go play in Indiana. Uh, go play in one of these small towns where there's no pressure. Where the fans are happy you're there. Not in this town. Doesn't work that way. All right, last but not least. Actually, two to go. Or, yeah, two to go. Let's hear it. Hey, JJ. Taylor from Huntington. I feel like we haven't heard much blame fall on Tom Thibodeau for the next disappointing season. This team isn't playing as hard, not playing the same day, not hitting the free throws. It's all the same things we credited him for last season when he was coach of the year. And we even gave him credit for elevating Randall's game. Don't get me wrong, I think he's the right coach for this team, but he's been as disappointing as any player. Thibodeau has not had a great second season. And to me, the biggest issue with Tibbs has been figuring out a rotation to snap the starters out of funks earlier in these games where you start your big guys out to begin the game. They don't get it done. You get a spark from the second unit. Great. But in the third quarter of these games, trying to have that flow, trying to have that feel, trying to figure out how to put the pieces in order. 
That, to me, has been the element that Tom Thibodeau has been lacking this season. And that lack of a magic touch, fair or unfair, is kind of what I think the frustration of many Knicks fans may be. Why is Obi Toppin not playing as much as he should be playing? And, you know, little elements like that. Last year was a honeymoon year for Pips. This year, the Knicks, I mean, pacing-wise, they're not far off from where they were a season ago. But yet, the feel around the team, the vibe around the team, doesn't have that same sort of happy-go-lucky mentality that we saw a year ago. It's just not the same because the expectations have changed a little bit. You got a taste of winning. So now that you are like under 500 and you're kind of sputtering, don't feel as good. Don't taste as good. Last but not least, let's hear it. Hey, JJ, Sean Flamant. Thanks for taking the call, man. Listen, a rotten, rotten day in New York football. But hey, gambling is here in New York. And what a weekend it was. So much fun finally being able from the couch to cash out, make bets, live betting. No more uh, walking the GWB to New Jersey to do that. So it's been really, really fun. Uh, quick story, man. On Saturday with the Chiefs, I used all the uh, sign-up bonuses from the different apps, especially FanDuel. Thanks to those guys. Uh, did it all on Kansas City. And I changed the lineup to KC minus three and a half. So they had to win by four or more. So it was looking really, really brutal the whole game. But that fumble scoop and score was the most exhilarating non-Jets play of my entire lifetime, I think. I was going crazy and it happened. And then, of course, when Fangio kicks that field goal, must have drove you up a wall. But uh, made me very, very happy with the circumstances. Uh, of course, he's been fired since then. Uh, very, very little surprise there. But. Great weekend, JJ. Hope it was great for you as well. And uh, let's go Jets. I'm sure I'll talk some draft with you later on. But I look forward to the playoffs, especially the ability to uh, bet from my couch. You take care, man. Later. I appreciate it, Sean. The live betting on FanDuel was so awesome. And I'm not just saying this because they're a big part of what we do here at the Ringer and with New York, New York. But, like, the ability for me to throw in a same-game parlay and do it from my couch, I hit my Dolphins same-game parlay. You guys be proud of me. I actually... I really got funky with this one. So here's what I did. I took Dolphins to cover six and a half. I wanted to just get the football team in everything. I I tried to tie them in every which way, and it worked out. I had Washington just to win. And then I took Jalen Waddell to score a touchdown. So as I'm watching that opening drive for the Dolphins, who basically did nothing on offense the entire game against the Patriots, and the Patriots couldn't look more flat. Uh, Two is digging and dunking. I'm like, all right, let's get the ball to Jalen. I see him score that touchdown. I'm going nuts. It was like a 10 to 1 payout. Nice hit. It was a great Sunday for me. But when you can add on a little juice, the same game parlay, ah, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So thank you, New York State. Long overdue. Legalized sports wagering. And I think it's going to make our at-home experience that much better in the weeks, months, and dare I say years ahead. All right, we got a national championship game tomorrow. I think you guys know where I lean. Mike and I are not on the same side of this one, but a couple of different ideas for playing Monday night's game, and we'll see where Jeff Money stands. We're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed. 
my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, so before we do Monday Night's National Championship game, here are the opening lines for the weekend. Vegas is a six-and-a-half-point dog against Cincinnati. I would have guessed around five-and-a-half. So they're giving the Bengals a lot of respect in this game. And the Bengals have not won a playoff game since the days of Boomer freaking Esiason. This is like the, the bowl between two teams that are just waiting to win a playoff game. Raiders haven't been back since Rich Gannon winning a playoff game. They were there with Connor Cook when Carr got hurt in 16. Uh, so Carr's first playoff game, they're a six-and-a-half-point dog. New England is a four-and-a-half-point dog against Buffalo. I would have guessed three and a half, and I think the public will be in on the Patriots, even though they had struggled mightily down the stretch here. Philly and Tampa, this line keeps going up. I see Tampa as a nine-point favorite. I think Tampa will be the team that everybody teases this week. The two-team tease, everyone's going to take Tampa and tease them down to minus two or minus two and a half, guaranteed. San Fran, Dallas, right on the nose. Cowboys by three. And I fully expect that the public will be on the Dallas Cowboys in that game. Public's going to hammer Dallas. Pitt, Kansas City, 12 and a half. I mean, the issue is how high are you going to make this line? I mean, the Steelers, they fight, they compete. The problem is they lost by 30 plus points the last time they played the Chiefs. Kansas City could play a D game and still win this game by 10. That's why it's a very, very dicey number. And then Arizona, LA, four and a half on Monday night. I'm not giving it out any picks yet. It's too soon. I'm sorry. I, I got to let these games marinate. It's a Sunday night. It's 1.46 in the morning, for goodness sakes. But I had to give you the opening lines because I was curious to see what they were. All right. As far as tomorrow night or tonight, whatever the hell it is, Georgia and Alabama. Georgia's favored by two and a half. The total is at 53. I think it's Georgia's time. Georgia, I can't see them losing twice in five weeks to this Alabama group. I understand that Alabama torched them first matchup. Mechie, not going to play in this game. I think that's a big, big loss for the Crimson Tide. I think Georgia's defense is going to be far more prepared, and they are going to be far more confident in trying to slow down Young, something they did not do the first time these teams matched up. And I'm also banking on the fact that Stetson Bennett is going to be a lot better than what he was. He can't be as shook. He can't be as uneasy as he was for the four quarters in the SEC title game. This is a legacy game for Georgia. Georgia needs this game a lot more. They finally got a breakthrough at some point against a team that has owned them. In SEC title games, in the national championship game, you're going to see the tour to Devontae Smith play 10 zillion times between now and Monday night, so buckle up for that. I think a lot of people are going to take the points at Alabama. I'm going the other way. I think Georgia finds a way to get it done. All right, Jeff Money. Do we have a family play for the Natty on Monday night? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. This is going to be for Monday, January the 10th. Now, I already gave you this play for the national championship game. I'm going with Georgia, of course. Minus now, they're a minus two and a half over Alabama. So I know we're together on this. And right now, Georgia, as we speak, is minus two and a half. That's going to be my play 
for the Monday night championship game. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. I love that we have a family play as we say sayonara, and I might be doubling the meat right now on FanDuel Sportsbook. I might add to it. I can. It's a thing of beauty. Georgia will get it done. I'm not even messing with the two and a half. They win this game. Minus 135 on the money line. Fantastic work. Stefan, super late. We haven't done one of these late pods in a while. Crazy week 18. Late night with Mike Frances. How about Mike staying up at like one in the morning, having some fun doing a podcast? Mike, it's the gift that keeps on giving. We're back Tuesday night. Charles Davis will join us. We're closer to the playoffs. But if something happens with Judge tomorrow, stay tuned. Follow on our social media platform. Follow us, New York, New York. We will have something cooking. I guarantee you that. If Judge and we have a word one way or another, staying or going, we'll be rocking. Bid you out. Be good, everybody.